Hello, dear listener, and specifically patron. Welcome to Alpha Bunga Bunga, and welcome to the last Alpha Bonus Bonus of the year, where we discuss your questions and comments and criticisms of us, uh, which we've received over the past two months. Before I go any further, I just want to say, in case you've missed it, we have a listener survey out. It's the first time we do this. Uh, we want to know how you see the world, how it's changed over the past couple of years, as well as to understand how you see what we do uh, so that we can improve. So we've got another week or so to fill that out. So please uh, do so and uh, tell any friends who might be listeners and might not have filled it out either. Uh, if you want to have your say and also tell us, hey, you know, you're not talking about this thing or you haven't had this guest on. This is what you should do next year. Uh, so that's all for that. Um so uh, on with the, the matter at hand, I think before we go any further, I just wanted to comment that a lot of these questions obviously uh, refer to COVID um, because it's an endless source of discussion and uh, angst, uh, both about what side you're on, on the sort of lockdown debate about vaccines and so on. Um, and it's interesting to note, I just wanted to pull this out there, that it seems that at least on the British left, that there seems to be a move against lockdown finally, which is an interesting sort of change going on, at least if we can read it off the kind of recent things published by certain left intellectuals. Yeah, so um, it's an interesting one because <clears throat> I wouldn't say exactly that they're moving against lockdown, but I think what's prompted it is, well, I mean, I think there's lockdown weariness um, for sure, but they feel... Um, I think the people, the kind of left PMC, uh, feel that they are more able to articulate critical stances on lockdown and that they're legitimate to do this because um, some listeners might not have heard about it or seen it. But um, some leaks have been made of Tory government advisors, spokespeople, ministers and so on, who were caught having Christmas parties or socialising and breaking social distancing rules during the first lockdown. And so this has um, kind of fired up the left in Britain with charges of hypocrisy and self-righteousness. But at the same time, um, they feel more entitled to criticise lockdown and to kind of draw attention to its um, social depredations. Now that said, um, so, you know, there's been, I mean, there's been lots of criticism on social media or um, voicing of um, kind of weariness and um, drawing attention to its cost by people like Owen Jones, for instance. Richard Seymour has published a piece um, criticizing the kind of the cost of lockdown and the possibility that the Tories have instrumentalized it in order to roll out policies that are friendly to them and so on and so forth. What I think, though, I mean, I think also to put it in perspective, um, the way I see it essentially is a lot of what um, the constituency for people like Owen Jones and Richard Seymour, a lot of what they wanted um, has effectively been achieved. Right. So, I mean, they've got kind of they've re-altered working relations in their favor as far as um, uh, the Zoom kind of the Zoom attending classes go. They don't need to go into the office so much. Um, they're probably now kind of um, becoming exhausted by the commute from the bedroom to the office or from the bed to the desk. And so their perspective now is also shifting a bit and they don't feel the need to, um, I don't think they see the rationale or the logic. They feel that they've paid a heavy cost in terms of um, the last two lockdowns and um, they've effectively changed. Like I say, working life has changed in their favor to a, in a significant way. And so for that reason, I think they're more able to, their spokespeople like Owen Jones and Richard Seymour are more willing to draw attention to the costs of lockdown. And it means effectively, I think, that the support for it, given the fact that the PMC were the strongest supporters of lockdown, that the basis for it is fragmenting, 
and it's probably going to be more difficult to um, implement in future, given if the PMC are turning against it, which it seems that they are. Yeah, I mean, I think the the point about kind of hypocrisy uh, as a moral attack is not always particularly strong so like saying look these these leaks which you know we all knew that they they the uh political class of of this country of britain as well as many other countries political classes were not following the rules which they had um had told everybody else that they should follow so when you sort of see the when you hear about um epidemiologists breaking breaking lockdowns or or the political class having a wine and what a wine and pizza evening after a hard day's work outside in 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 the sun it's you know this is it was an open secret so that or at least i you know i I would have thought it was so that kind of like look they're not they're not they're not doing what they said we should all do is is quite a weak attack or is is quite a weak basis for for a political critique because it's like well you know maybe the things which they told us to do were wrong in the first place it's not the fact that they weren't following them it's that you know we should have we should have maybe thought whether these things were right in the first place rather than you know been been like oh you didn't do them so you're you're so bad and, and terrible and we 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 obeyed the rules and you cheated oh that's unfair well, but i think i think it's telling though that you know there's two responses you can have to the hypocrisy then and one is to say hey you should follow your own rules and the other is to say well you see these rules are stupid anyway um, we, and it's interesting, I think, at least notable that it's been the latter. And I mean, I'm not willing, especially to give Owen Jones the benefit of the doubt, um, because he's a complete opportunist. And I'm not willing to give Richard Seymour really the benefit of the doubt um, for a whole range of reasons. But I thought James Medway's piece, which I actually did read kind of more detailed, he published one of the New Statesman and one on his own blog, uh, which was pretty strongly condemnatory of, of lockdown. Now, I'm, I'm sure, you know, he's kind of changed his position on this, and that's allowed and, and indeed welcomed. Um, but I think I've always found him pretty, uh, at least, yeah, honest and open to debate, uh, if nothing else. And so I think we should at least take that, um, yeah, just take that as an interesting indication, I think, of things shifting. And as yeah, Phil said, that might uh, in, like um, presage a wider turn against lockdown and lo- lo- less tolerance for it. Um, the sense that, yeah, actually, we're still doing this two years on. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're and it's it's worth saying we're we're coming up to Christmas, so there's a lot a lot riding <laughs> for, for for a number of people on on whether we do have any further any further restrictions, and you know this this could um you know could be the straw that breaks breaks the camel's back and and means that you know we we don't end up having um another Christmas cancelled. We we will be able to uh to celebrate with our with our families and friends um all together potentially this christmas what a christmas it could be if that were well, to be the case to, i mean i suppose the question is though james medway was a strong supporter of lockdown and um it's true that he's up for the debate and i mean we had this exchange i had this exchange with him on twitter um back during the first lockdown i suppose the question is whether or not he's willing to account for um you know his own changed view of the matter and to his credit at least he's come out against um uh, vax mandates and sees how pernicious um, the idea of forced vaccination for frontline workers and so on would be. Um, but I think, I mean, it's got a ways to go yet before that constituency crumbles. And like I say, I think part of the reason is it's not just wariness, but also the fact that um, there's been a significant change of, uh, you know, a change in the balance of power in in the PMC workplace in favour of um, in favour of the PMC further. In the sense that you will, you know, these working from home arrangements are going to be locked in over the long term. 
they can escape. Um, they can kind of sell up and escape overpriced um, inner inner cities and move out where um, to kind of outlying suburbs and um, on the edges of cities where they'll have greater purchasing power once they've sold up their inner kind of um, their inner city kind of uh, rabbit hutch apartments or whatever. Or indeed, if they've been renting up to now, they'll be able to move out and afford something and they won't be spending so much money on commuting. And so it seems to me like for a certain professional layer, um, the lockdown has not only been that costly in terms of the, you know, um, what they that they've never lost a paycheck and the rest of it, but also that they've benefited from working from home and the fact that those gains are going to be institutionalized for them. Right. Uh, let's move on with your questions because we're going to come back to this. There's actually a question specifically directed to the issue of the PMC and who's benefited. So uh, let's get on with it. Hey there, you've reached the end of a short excerpt from an episode that's been released only to our patrons. If you'd like to join us and gain access to around two Patreon-exclusive episodes a month, please go to patreon.com slash We'd love to have you.